Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week, South Shore Campus Pastor Hector Rivera continues our Undone series with a message titled, When Were You Disqualified? We hope you enjoy this weekend's message. Can we continue in some of that love and welcome our Plant City, Plant City campus, our South Shore campus. We love you. I miss y'all. I appreciate it. You guys are alive today. I love it. Come on. Fired up. Ready. So let me just uh, get out of the way because I came to hear God preach too. Amen. I want to hear his word. So I'm just going to pray, get out the way and let him do what he does best because he does everything best. So Father, Lord, I thank you right now, God, for this opportunity, Lord, that I get to have. Lord, I ask you, Father God, as always, Lord, I have, I have prepared I have spent time in front of you, I have sought wisdom, counsel, I have fasted, I have prayed. Lord, I ask you that you will use as much as you want or as little of it or nothing at all, Father God, that I have prepared here, Lord. I ask you, Father God, that you will speak to your people, and that includes me, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 So we are in a series called Undone. In a world that is coming apart, God wants to put us back together, but God wants to do it his way. He wants less of some things and more of others. Less disqualification and more qualification. So uh, in order for us to, to, to know a little bit more on how he wants to do it his way, we have to start learning his way. So... For me, one of the greatest things that changed my life, there were some, some books that I got to read that completely transformed me. I started to read different books that changed me from my identity, the way that uh, I started to lead, the way that I received sonship, how I seen the identity of Jesus Christ. I want to share these books with you, so I hope today you take notes because I'm going to hit a lot of scripture but these four books changed my life. Write them down. In my life, they've been like best sellers. Here we go. You ready? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Amazing books. Amazing books. Here's the cool thing. If you buy four, you get 62 free. It's the best deal out there. You can go on any website. That's the best deal. Okay? I want to try to keep it simple today. I want to talk about the Gospels. We all know the Gospels. We all love the Gospels, okay? I want to talk about Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and I want to share a little bit because Matthew, Mark, Luke, John is how we know the Gospels, but there's also the Synoptic Gospels. They, they reference Matthew, Mark, and Luke as the Synoptic Gospels. They're called synoptic simply because they share in the same stories. They're very similar in sequence and in their wording. Okay, they're, they're, they're more or less the same. I always think about the synoptic gospels. They say that Mark was the very first one, that, that uh, the gospel of Mark was the one that was inspired. So I almost look at Mark trying to write down, and I see Luke and Matthew just peeking over his shoulder, you know, what he's typing on his iPad, you know, or modern-day papyrus, right? He's just trying to write, and they're looking, kind of saying, hey, so what happened? And, oh, I remember that part. And they're kind of copying each other in a sense. That's how close they are when you read the same stories and you, and you do the parallel. But John, I love the book of John because you see Matthew, Mark, and Luke talk about 
what Jesus said and did, but John talks about who Jesus is. They talk about, he talks about the identity of Christ. So the way that I think of it, and hopefully it'll help you remember, I think to compile of them, all of them, I think about saying it this way, Matthew, Mark, Luke, comma, John, because he fills in those gaps with the identity of Christ. And as we speak of identity, I want to talk about identity because I believe more so now than ever in the time that we're living Based on what I have seen and experienced myself, I have seen the lack of identity that the enemy tries to use against us because of our past wounds and our past hurts. You see, those things from the past, he tries to bring them back so that then we can start to disqualify who we are in Christ. You see, maybe it was something that someone might have spoken over you that was not God. Maybe it's Something that we did based on an act of sin and the enemy tries to keep coming back and beat us with it. Listen, you're not alone. In fact, today I want to talk about a man by the name of Peter that also denied himself. In fact, he disqualified himself. I want us to turn to John 21 and I'm going to read verses 15 through 17. Go with me there. John 21 verses 15 through 17. And I'm going to read, this is a great and most beautiful, I think it's one of the most beautiful love conversations between Jesus and one of his disciples, Simon. Outside of Jesus enduring the cross and showing that love, I think this is like the second best story that shows love and restoration. So I'm going to read it really fast and then I'm going to jump around a little bit. So hang out with me. John 21, verse 15 through 17. Verse 15, now, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. Verse 17, He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend to my sheep. Here's the big idea, church. When were you disqualified? Who said that you were disqualified? You see, these scriptures, what they're trying to explain to us is Peter's frustration and his disqualification, but Jesus is trying to communicate restoration. So I want to touch on the synoptic gospels, okay, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but I'm going to read through John 21, and I'm going to weave in a parallel from each of those books, Mark, Luke, and Matthew, and that sort of order sequence. I want to weave it in to connect the Gospels together and support the identity of Christ that he is speaking to Simon out of John 21. You with me? Okay, man, I got three yeses. Praise God. We're doing really well this morning. Praise God. Plant City, South Shore, you're with me. Come on. I'm going to start with Mark, the 16th chapter, verse 7. I think this verse for me here recently 
I've read it. I know we've all read from Genesis to Revelation. We've read it. But this verse stood out to me the most. Right now, this verse for me has just revolutionized the way that I think about being disqualified. You see, I think a lot of times we think that when we get up here, you might think, I know I used to when I sat there as well, that, man, we have it all figured out. Man, pastors got it going on, boy. They're anointed, boy. God's chosen. They don't go through a thing. It seems the more and more I preach, the more and more God baptizes me in the anguish of the sermon before I preach it. So I I thank God that at times I do things outside of line because then he puts me back in line. You see, this whole week since Tuesday, I can put it down maybe even to the hour I was feeling disqualified. And Mark 16, verse 7, supports what we just read in in John 21. Let me explain. Simple verse. It says, but go to his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Now, let me share with you, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all share the same pretty much scenario, similar. They all make it. They all share about how this happened at the tomb, and they get there, and they show up. And then there's some discrepancies some people would argue over. Was it Mary and just Mary Magdalene? Was it Mary, Mary Magdalene, and Salome? Some would even primarily have a a big issue over the fact that there was one angel or two angels whether they were sitting on top of the tomb or not. You know, why are we even arguing over the fact that there was one angel or two angels? Maybe they needed glasses. Maybe they couldn't see well. It's irrelevant. The fact that there was an angel and that the angel spoke on behalf of Jesus and Jesus had resurrected from the dead and now lives and still lives, that's what we should be talking about. But we're arguing over the fact Was there an angel or two? There's a discrepancy with the Gospels. No, there's just different accounts based on eyewitness. So why am I even bringing up these discrepancies? Simply because the enemy is a liar, and if he can cause a divide in God's word, then he can cause a divide between you and me. You see, if he can disqualify God's word and we don't take it as truth anymore, then we'll start disqualifying ourselves as to who God says you are. It's an easy, simple tactic of the enemy that we oftentimes overlook. I'll prove it to you. Peter did. You see, as I read this, I I thought to, and forgive me, but when I read the scriptures, I just ask God, I'm like, God, who wrote this? You know, I mean, I I would have said it this way because he says, go and tell the disciples. And Peter, I said, well, Lord, it would have made sense if you would have said, go tell Peter and the disciples. Because Peter was always the one, you know, stepping out of the boat first. You know, he was always trying to cut somebody's ear off first. You know, Jesus rebuked him first. You know, he was always the first guy. Jesus went to wash the disciples' feet. He said, no, give me, I want a full day spa, Jesus. I want you to do my hair, haircut, mani-pedi. You know, he was always the first one to say something or do something. So it didn't make sense because it would have made sense if he said Peter and the disciples. But he didn't say it this way, church. He said, go and tell the disciples and Peter. He said, Peter had already disqualified himself because he had denied Christ. He wanted him to know, listen, the Lord just sent me the angel speaking. Go tell the disciples and Peter. Maybe, maybe, maybe I should read this way. Maybe it'll relate more to you and me this way. Go tell the disciples and the one that left me. 
go tell the disciples and the one that thinks he is not good anymore. Go tell the disciples and the one that feels like he is a liar. Go and tell the disciples and Hector. Go and tell the disciples and Billy, Lily, add your name in there. Church, when were you disqualified? Who said that you were disqualified? Let me go to John 21, verse 1. I'm going to read through quite a few scriptures, but I believe it's going to make so much sense to you, so please hang out with me. John 21, verses 1 through 6. It says, after these things, Jesus revealed himself again to disciples at the Sea of Galilee, at the Sea of Tiberias, which is also the Sea of Galilee. And he revealed himself in this way, Simon Peter, Thomas, who was called Didymus, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two other of his disciples that were together. Those two were unknown, but there was a total of seven. Verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, hey, we're coming with you. They went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, children, you do not have any fish to eat, do you? They answered him, no. Verse 6, and he said to them, cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you will find the fish. So they cast it, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great quantity of fish. Here's the principle of these verses. We should never be afraid, afraid to change our methods as long as it is at the direction of Jesus. Listen, they had been fishing all night. It did not make sense just for that one more. It, it just, they, they've been out there all night. Listen, all night means all night. For hours upon hours, then here's someone that they don't even recognize says to them, cast it to the right side. Are we willing to make adjustments to change our methods at the sound of his voice? You see, sometimes we get stuck on doing things a certain way, but you know what? Sometimes that way doesn't work anymore, anymore when God says, this is the way. We have to be willing to change our methods if he calls out to you. We have to learn to know his voice so that then we can do what he's asked us to do. Are we willing to be molded and shaped and will we allow him to give us some new methods? Verses 7 through 9. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. I love this. You know, John gets a lot of heat because he says, therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved. You know, it's almost like he's saying, I'm talking about me, you know. Well, he wrote the book, but, you know, he said the disciple that Jesus loved. And I love that because you know what that tells me? That he knew the love of Jesus. He, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. Peter just, first one in the water again. But the other disciples came in the little boat, and for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits away, dragging the net full of fish. 
So when they got out of on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already made with fish placed on it and bread. You know, when I started to read this, I thought to myself, wait a second, God. You just brought Peter back to a charcoal fire? Let me explain. You see, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, okay, they all talk about the same similar, almost identical account. Peter denying Christ three times before the rooster crows a second time, right? We know the story, right? Three times. But not so in John. John's account of Peter's denial started at a charcoal fire. I'll prove it to you. John 18. Verse 18. I love hearing those pages flip. Come on, God. Verse 18 of John 18. Now the slaves and the officers were standing there having made a charcoal fire, for it was cold, and they were warming themselves, and Peter was also with them standing and warming himself. I'm going to skip to 25 to 27. Now Simon Peter was still standing and warming himself, so they said to him, you are not one of his disciples as well, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest who was related to the one who Peter had cut his ear off said to him, did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter then denied it again, and immediately a rooster had crowed. You see, the first charcoal fire that Peter that Jesus was trying to get Peter to was the one where he had denied Christ. You see, I believe that God was trying to take him back. Listen, Jesus could have done anything by that seashore. He could have had the food already prepared. He could have just been walking. In fact, he could have walked on water to them. But he decided to create a, a scene, a scenario to take Peter back to the very place where he had denied him because he wanted to restore him. So he took him to that first charcoal fire where Peter had no business warming himself, hanging out with folk he shouldn't have been hanging out with. You know, sometimes we gather around things and we come around things and even around people, I'm going to say it, that we have no business coming around. And then we have to change our identity on who we know we are. We've come around the wrong folk around the, the wrong scenarios, circumstances, and then we accommodate to what's around us. We start denying our identity. Listen, Peter didn't, he, he, he didn't just buy the lie, he embodied the lie. It became a reality to him. He cursed his identity in this very moment because he surrounded himself I run a different charcoal fire. How amazing is it that our God would bring us back and bring this back into remembrance? He didn't bring this up because he wanted to fault Peter again. Sometimes we think that God and acts in a way like maybe we've been treated by others and maybe even by some of our parents. That's not who God is. He didn't create this charcoal fire to remind him of his fault, but rather to help him overcome and restore him. Yeah. 
When did we start believing the lie, church? Where did it happen? Where's our charcoal fire? Let's go back to John 21, verse 10 and 11. Verse 10. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have now caught. So Simon Peter went up and hauled the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Now listen, church, I don't know how you read scripture, but when I read scripture, again, I just, I just got to ask God. I'm like, God, did they just have like extra ink right now? And why, I mean, why couldn't we just stop at 153? Let's keep it going, God. I want to I get into it. But no, he puts a semicolon there and says, and although there were so many, the net was not torn. I'm like, okay, so, so, so okay, so the net was not torn. You, you know why the net was not torn? Because just as catching fish requires a mended net, so as fishing for men requires a restored vessel. You see, God is so good. Now go, go to Luke 5 for me. Go to Luke 5. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie it in. I'm going to do the parallel. God is so good, and he loves you so much, okay? He brought this charcoal fire, brought Peter to it first. Peter had a moment with the Lord. Then the disciples come back. The net is full. Peter hauls this thing in, and they start creating this fish fry, right? They're right there with Jesus. And I thought to myself, what an awesome God we serve, that he not only included Peter in that charcoal fire, but he also brought the reminiscing of the moment when they had first became fishermen of men. He took them back to Luke. I could just imagine the disciples saying, hold on a second, I've been here before. We've been fishing in the same way, and there was somebody by the shore that said the same thing. In Luke 5.5, 5, I'll prove it to you. Simon responded and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. And when they had done this, they caught a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both of the boats to the point that they were sinking. The first time the nets were tearing, this time the nets were mended and nothing tore. In fact, the whole catch was pulled in. You see, last time, fish might have gotten away, but not now. Church, let me tell you something. I believe Jesus was trying to tell them, now you're even more ready than you think, more qualified than you think. That thing that tried to beat you, I'm going to use to restore others with now. I believe the Lord was trying to say that, listen, your nets might have broke, but they'll never break again. Your past will not hinder your future. I know last time a few got away, but this time the few things you thought got away, I'm restoring back to you. See, I, I believe that's what Jesus was trying to do to them. He said, remember when this happened? Now look at you now. Don't, don't hold back on what you were thinking then. Don't, don't let that hold you back. Think about where you are today with me, because in about two minutes, I'm getting ready to ascend. You don't know this yet, but greater things you're going to do. 
You see, the, the thing that we have to do is we got to get back to that charcoal fire. We have to get back to that charcoal fire, to the place where you felt disqualified, where you allowed someone to say something that wasn't truth. We have to get back to that fire. You see, that fire represented division, deceit, disunity. Oh, but the second fire by the shoreline, the one that Jesus created, where he's getting ready to feed you on, that one represents restoration, fellowship. Sonship. When, when were we disqualified, church? Who said? Who said? Let me give you another parallel, because God is just so good. Matthew 4, go to Matthew 4, verse 18 through 22. Listen, I'm talking about the same gospels, amen? They just give us insight. Matthew 4, verses 18 through 22. I love this because this is so important to the move of God as a unified body. He wants us to go back to, his, to the old fire so that he can restore us at the new one, so that then we can be unified. I'll prove it to you. Matthew 4, 18, verse, uh, verses 18 through 22. 18 says, Now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, the same sea, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Verse 20, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Verse 21, going on from there on the same sea of Galilee, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed Jesus. Why is this so important? I love how the Lord uses this moment to explain two different fishermen, two different sets of fishermen. He says he called Simon and Andrew, the brothers, and said, hey, as soon as they're casting a net, he said, oh, I can use that. Come on. Qualified. As soon as he goes around the corner, he sees the sons of Zebedee, James and John. They're fixing and mending their nets. He said, mm, I could use that. Qualified. Come on and follow me. So then he grabs two that were casting and two that were mending, and he brings them together to start furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ. The body of Christ coming together. Fishermen no longer, fishers of men forever. But sometimes we disqualify ourselves. Some of you may not know this about me, but I started in a parking team right here with our church. Because I had disqualified myself, I started to hide. Listen, I'm not saying by any stretch that this is where disqualified people go to, but this is where I went to hide. I have some pictures. Hanging out in the parking team.
You know, I often wonder, what if I would have stayed in that parking team? What if I didn't answer the call? What if I didn't go back to that charcoal fire to be restored like Christ wanted to restore me? I might might have not been here today preaching. I might have been yelling at you in the parking lot. (laughs) Sometimes, y'all, I know y'all need a good yelling, boy. (laughs) Well, you might say, well, pastor, you know, I... uh, I'm already serving. Listen, I serve too. Every Sunday, I serve on a parking team. Every Sunday. I won't be there this week. But every Sunday, I serve on a parking team. I think I cause more issues than good, but they let me serve anyway. (laughs) Every Sunday, before getting on stage, I go and serve with the disciples. No better than them. Just as qualified as them. Well, you might say, well, pastor, I'm already serving. Maybe you're serving in the parking team. But maybe you should be leading it. Say, well, pastor, I I already host a life group. Maybe you should be leading a life group. Pastor, I love my life group. Yes, but you have like 20 people. It's time to multiply Listen, Jesus had 12, and he broke that pod right out and sent them all out. Maybe you're not serving. Maybe you're not connected. Listen, I thank God for starting off at the parking team. Today, when you leave all campuses right outside in the lobby, you're going to have the opportunity to sign up. And here's what could happen. Just, just keep walking right past that thing. Oh, come on. Huh? That, you know I'm not lying to you. I'm not, you're going to see that. You're going to, as soon as you come out, you won't even know where it's at. You just, oh, oh, oh. You'll do that one, two, three, that juke on them. You, them old football skills will come right out. You'll stiff arm that sign, won't you? Or you can join the team. You know why, church? They're coming back, and we need you to help us carry the load. We can't do this. Listen, if you're casting your net, if you're mending your net, join the team because what you have is going to bring value to someone else. It's time for us to go and make disciples and be the disciples that God called us to be. But church, we have to get past our past. Who said you weren't good enough? What happened in your life that you said and created an inner vow of disqualification? Was it a marriage gone bad? I'm divorced. Was it two marriages gone bad? 
How long are we going to hide that thing? Was it an abortion? And the enemy's trying to tell you, don't tell anyone or they're going to judge you. Hide it. Maybe you haven't been a good father or a good mother for the enemy. Maybe you've secretly walked away from God. How about that? Maybe you haven't returned to church just yet and you're watching online and you said, you know what, I'm not going to come back. They probably already forgot about me. It's been a year. They don't love me anymore. Listen to me. The devil is a liar. If you're watching online, you haven't come home, come home. It's time to come home, church. Come home. Come home. Come get around this charcoal fire, amen, of restoration. Come home. Come home. It's time. Come home. Come home. They'll be ready to receive. They'll be ready. We'll be ready to receive you. But it's time to come home. Don't let the enemy keep fooling you in thinking that staying at home, watching it online, is the only way. You know the way. It's time to come home. Be safe. Take care of things. Amen. Come home. This fire is here to restore you. Now, church, it's time for us to receive the harvest. So we need you on point. Verse 12. John 21, verse 12 through 14. I'm going to read fast. Listen with me fast. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to inquire of him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord, Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. This was now the third time that Jesus revealed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Church, listen to me. Just like the disciples did not question, there's no need for us to question. The Lord is speaking. All we must do is let him speak. The Lord is speaking. There's no need to question. It is the Lord. Now, let's go back to this love story, and I'll land a plane, and I'll get out your way. I won't bore you anymore. Here's what the verses say in John 21, verses 15 through 17, and I pray you get this. This is so deep. He talks about two different kinds of love. When, when we read this, we have to go back to the Greek and understand the love language that they're talking about. He's speaking of two love languages out of the four. He's speaking of agape and filio. Agape simply is, in the New Testament, the fatherly love of God for humans as well as the human reciprocal love for God. Okay, a love of God and us in return for a love of God to him. Filio describes an emotional connection that goes beyond acquaintances or casual friendships. When we experience filio, we experience a deeper level of connection. This love is companionable and relational. It's brotherly and it's friendship love. Now let's read these verses as they speak of the agape and the filio. Verse 15 now, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said, okay, tummies are full. I'm getting ready to restore somebody. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he says, yes, Lord. 
you know that I love you. Listen to me. Jesus is saying, Simon, do you agape me? Do you love me as your God? And Simon responds to his answer and also gives another statement. Listen to it again. He says, Simon, do you agape me? Do you love me as God? And he says, yes, Lord. He answers his questions. He says, yes. In other words, I love you as my God. Semicolon. He says, you know that I love you. He adds, but you know that I filio you. I love you like a friend beyond and like a brotherly love, Jesus. He says, I love you as my God, but I've grown to love you as a friend, a brotherly like love because I've been walking with you so far. Then he says again to him, he says, Simon, son of John, the second time, he says, do you agape me? And he says, yes, Lord, again. I agape you is what he's saying. But I also feel you, I love you like brotherly love beyond. And then Jesus asks him a third time and flips it on him. He says, Simon, do you feel me? He says, do you love me like a brother? And I'll never forget this. Simon says, That he was hurt because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? And the Lord gave me this revelation. He said exactly what I needed. I needed you to express your hurt. That's what I was looking for, Simon. I was looking for the hurt that I need to uproot out of you. So that you can understand the love of a heavenly father. Give me your hurt, son. I believe he's saying that. I believe he's saying that. Give me your shame. Give me your sin. Give me your hang-up. Give me the disqualification. Give, give it to me. Daughter, give it to me, son. So Simon says, he doesn't say, yes, Lord, this time, because he's not talking about agape. He says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I feel you. I've said it three times. You see, some theologians out there might tell you, oh, Jesus asked him three times because Peter denied him three times. No, 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 no. You see, that's not the love of God. How would it be that he would endure the cross to then throw it in Peter's face? You denied me three times. Prove your love to me. No. He doesn't. But he says, I want you to know that you know that you know the love of a heavenly father because I'm getting ready to ascend and you don't know this, but when I leave, you're going to run right into Acts. And when you get hit by the Holy Spirit in that open room, you don't know it yet, but you're going to start prophesying the prophet Joel, and you're going to preach one of the best sermons, and 3,000 people are going to come to know me. I need you to know this love. But give me your hurt. Give me your disqualification. I love that Jesus continued to reference him in every scripture, he called him Simon. He said, Simon, referencing the old man, 
Because Jesus knew that before he could put on the mantle of Peter, he had to first shed the old nature of Simon. Church, who, who disqualified you? When were you disqualified? At all of our campuses, our prayer partners should already be up. I pray that today you don't leave without releasing the lie that maybe you've already embodied for so long. If when I said something, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you felt the conviction, then release the condemnation of what the enemy said. So I pray that you would release it at the altar, whether there is a prayer partner present or not, there is an altar that you can get business done with right, right with God. Let me, let me talk about salvation. When you read that story in the Gospels, there was a guy by the name of Barabbas. He deserved the cross. And Jesus said, I'll trade sin for Savior. Barabbas was disqualified. And Jesus said, no. He's qualified. He is good enough for me. A sinner. Murderer, thief. He's worth He's worth the trade-off. I don't know if you know Jesus. But man, bring that Barabbas. Bring the old man. And accept him now, and your life will forever change. So I want us to say this prayer together. But I want you to know that Jesus endured everything for you and me. Jesus also was tried to be disqualified. You remember? When he said, what good thing can come out of Nazareth? What if Jesus would have disqualified himself at that moment? I thank God he pushed through it. Because today we get to have eternal life because of him. So I want us to say this together. Amen. Come on. You can clap. Amen. You can clap. I want us to say this together. Say, dear Lord, come on, say it. Dear Lord, I've fallen short. I'm a sinful man. But you sent your only son to shed his blood, to cover me, to wash me clean of all sin. And I get to have eternal life. Lord, I welcome you into my life. Take my disqualification. Redeem me and make me new. In Jesus' name. Now listen. In the count of three, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time here 
at our campuses and online, I want you to be bold and raise your hand high. On the count of three, be bold so we can celebrate you. This moment will change your life forever. Here you go. One, two, three. Come on. We hope you enjoyed that message from our South Shore campus pastor, Hector Rivera. Don't forget you can watch all of our messages on demand and our live service broadcasts on our YouTube channel. You can subscribe at youtube.com slash crossing church and keep up to date with all the latest events coming at the crossing church by downloading our app. Just search for the crossing church Tampa in the app store or Google play store. Don't forget to come out to noon prayer at our Tampa campus every Wednesday and our first Wednesday service, the first Wednesday of every month, 7 p.m. at our Tampa campus. We hope to see you there.